from 10 11 now. Fakes it to Johnson. Goes for the end zone. Batted in the end zone for a touchdown by JD Spielman. Unbelievable. And the 10 11 studios in Lincoln, Nebraska. Scott Frost and the Nebraska Cornhuskers keep their bull hopes alive with a dominating victory over Maryland 54 7. This is the End Report Podcast. Iowa week arrives for the Huskers, also known as Thanksgiving week, as the Big Red will play on Black Friday for a 30th consecutive year. The series started with them playing against Oklahoma on that day, but it's the Hawkeyes on Friday, and there are big stakes for this contest. With Dan Corey, I'm Kevin Suits. Thanks for listening to the In Report podcast. Dan, this Scott. This has big game feel, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And it's funny what a win can do because if you lose to Maryland, Iowa fans are going to take over the stadium. Iowa probably wins by at least a couple scores. Now, after Nebraska beats Maryland, you're looking to get to a bowl game. You need a win over the Hawkeyes. I feel like all the Nebraska fans, players and coaches, even though the players and coaches will not admit it, they're just putting all their chips right in for this game, all in for Friday. Should be a great atmosphere at Memorial Stadium. So here are the elements of this game. Black Friday, a Nebraska tradition. Sounds like the weather is not going to be the best, but it's late November football. It's a quote-unquote rivalry game against a neighboring school. Nebraska's bowl hopes hinge on a victory or not. If the Huskers win, they get to play beyond November. If the Huskers lose... Clean out the lockers. The season is over. So it's a pretty big stage for a team that's 5-6, and six, but it's a good stage. And I think even as Nebraska hit its slide there over the past month and a half, a lot of fans and even some players admitted this to us, Dan, if they could just get a win and maybe set up a win-or-go-home game at the end, it's going to be okay. So though the losses piled up, the time frame still allowed Nebraska to potentially get a couple of late-season wins to reach a bowl game. Now it comes down to the final week of the regular season, and I've got to expect it'll be pretty juiced up around Memorial Stadium on Friday. Oh, absolutely. It has all the ingredients for a great atmosphere. Like you said, the weather being really poor, uh, that's what we're expecting at this point. Uh, and, and these two teams don't like each other, and... You know, when Nebraska joined the Big Ten, it was like, okay, who is going to be its rival? And and immediately people pointed at Wisconsin. Okay. But then Iowa slides into that Black Friday game, which, as you alluded to, Nebraska's played Oklahoma and Colorado for years. And and it just – Nebraska did what it was supposed to do the first couple of years. The first four years, I think Nebraska went 3-1 and one against Iowa. And then it started to turn. Mike Riley comes in. You have that 2015 game. Uh, if you remember that one, it was uh, the 28-20 game. Tommy Armstrong threw four interceptions. And then the 2016 game, Mike Riley's second year, 40-10 to in Iowa City. That was your bloodbath game. Mark Banker alluding to Iowa's, Iowa's practices, practices as being be a, a bloodbath. bloodbath. And, uh, and then you had Mike Riley's last game in 2017, which was another uh, Iowa destroying Nebraska game. And, and so last year was the first time that I've seen in, in, those, in that time span where when Iowa hit Nebraska and knocked them on the floor, Nebraska finally got up and hit back and had Iowa on the ropes a little bit. 
And, and so Iowa won by a field goal, obviously, last year. I think 31-28 was the final. It was a great game. It, it was. And, and you look back on that game, and it— that, Was it overtime game? No, no, no not it, overtime. The game had everything. I mean— uh, what was it? Brian Ferentz, Kirk and Kirk Ferentz, Brian's the OC, Kirk head coach, they they could have made it a three-possession game by kicking a field goal, yeah. and they decided to fake it. Well, it, it didn't work, so Nebraska still has a shot, and I think uh, Nebraska wasn't able to get a first down, so they faked a punt on their own nine-yard line and got it, and that kind of propelled the comeback, and... Uh, Nebraska had a shot at the end. It was a crazy game. They made a two-point conversion. Remember the Cade Warner catch yeah. in the back of the end zone? That was one of Cade Warner's big moments with the Huskers. Adrian Martinez played very well that day. He I remember did. on one of his scores, we saw some of that Adrian Martinez swagger. Yeah, which Remember, yeah. Stanley Morgan had to spin him around so that Adrian would not get flagged for a, a personal foul. That's how, you know, like Adrian, he's so mild-mannered when he talks to us, but on the field, especially when they're doing well, boy, he shows his competitive side. And, Dan, you got incredible video prior to that game last year in Iowa City where we don't want to call it a scuffle, but both teams were within a few feet of each other, and there were even some coaches right in the middle of it, and there was a lot of shouting back and forth. So I know that there is a conversation, and it's a legitimate conversation, Is this a rivalry game? Some people will say yes. Some people will say no. The no crowd believe that it is a fabricated, quote-unquote, rivalry just because of the, the week in which these teams play and the fact that they are neighboring schools. However, the video that you got indicate that there is an element of rivalry there because the players don't seem to really like each other all that much. George Kittle was on the Scott Van Pelt Sports Center on Sunday night. And, and of course, Van Pelt teed it up for George Kittle. And, and Kittle is, is starting to become kind of a gem in the NFL. Fans are kind of catching on to his personality, and it's unique. And he's, he's hilarious. And, you know, he goes off and, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to beat him for a fifth straight year. And it, I think that's just a small window into what the Iowa players – feel about Nebraska. And that comes from the top down. Kirk Ferentz, very mild-mannered, uh, great guy. But you know, from what I can tell, uh, there's something he tells his team every week when they play Nebraska. And that's Sean Eichhorst quote that, they, that uh, Sean had where he said, we had to evaluate where Iowa was after firing Bo Pelini after Pelini beat Iowa it would not surprise me if they're still using that quote to motivate their team. You mentioned George Kittle. I saw an interview with him where Scott Van Pelt asked him, you know, was there a team in college that you just really despised playing? And he said, Nebraska. And Van Pelt quickly responded with, why? And he referenced the Sean Eichhorst quote. And I still think that that rings in those hallways in Iowa City that there is an element of Nebraska that doesn't put Iowa in very high regard or at least in a very high, highly respected regard. I feel like that has changed because Scott Frost has a lot of respect for Kirk Ferentz. In fact, when Frost was beginning his coaching journey, he was an assistant at Northern Iowa, and he has told us the story before 
that coaching at Northern Iowa in building his connections and some of those colleagues, he leaned on Kirk Ferentz and really valued some of the information that he learned and um, some of the advice he was given by Kirk Ferentz. So, you know, Scott's not going to be one to stir the pot, and he is not going to light a match to the rivalry flame. No, he and that was uh, apparent in the post-game interview after Maryland, where he went out of his way to say that, well, I was one of the best teams in the Big Ten this year. They're they're great on tape. I mean, that that has set the tone for this week. And if you want trash talk, at least coming from Nebraska, Colin Miller's about all you're going to get. Speaking of, here is Colin Miller giving us his take on the Nebraska-Iowa series and whether it's a rivalry. It sucks, you know, um, those guys not respecting us, you know. Um, they come into Lincoln and think that, you know, they can win this with ease and um, that this isn't even a little rivalry, you know. Um, definitely hurts. But, I mean, we just use that as momentum. Um, and I think uh, the guys are really focused in, dialed in, that this is a big week, you know. We really want to show everybody that, you know, we're here. That's about all you're going to get from Nebraska's players this week that move the meter in terms of, Nebraska players and their perception of this alleged rivalry. I even asked Jack Stoll. I wasn't asking him to tell me if this is a rivalry or not, but I asked him, the fans have a discussion out there on whether this is a rivalry. What's his perception of the series? And he had none of that question. And Stoll is a very quotable individual in the Husker locker room. Instead, he said, for us, Iowa is just the next opponent on the roster. And Scott Frost kind of falls in line with that message. And Frost says that he wants his players to put no additional emphasis on this game as they would any other team. Well, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to tell the fans what to believe, but in my opinion, it is a rivalry. I grew up in Iowa, and, and it, it has all the brewings of, of becoming even more so because you have this team with Nebraska, a powerhouse. Iowa wants to be Nebraska. Nebraska comes into the Big Ten and handles its business. Iowa wants to be Nebraska of the of, 1990s. Yes, yes, right. And I'm talking when they joined the Big Ten. And Nebraska comes in, takes care of its business. And Iowa says, they're thinking, well, you're going to come into the Big Ten and show us how it's done. Well, Nebraska did that the first couple of years. But then where it's starting to turn is Iowa has actually beaten Nebraska the last couple of years, the last four, you heard Colin Miller there. I mean, that sounds like an Iowa player talking five years ago where, oh, they don't respect us. You know, they think they're just going to waltz in here and win. That's a Nebraska player talking about Iowa. In my and people's opinions, who, you know, that should be the other way around. And, um, and, and so you have this. It, the rivalry on Black Friday is going to take a break as Nebraska goes to play in Minnesota on Black Friday for the last two years, and I feel like it's going to amp it up even more when it does reset and come back to Black Friday. I'm smiling, and the reason I'm smiling, Dan, is because this is fun. This is so much more fun than talking about Nebraska preparing for Northwestern or Maryland. 
Well, like, yeah, this I mean, is good. This this has another, and it's going to intensify as the week goes along. We're recording this on a Monday afternoon. We got back from the press conference. Interviews were fine. Nothing too spectacular. Nothing so dull that we're like, wow, that was a clunker. There, there is good information there. Scott Frost even got to talk some X's and O's about Iowa's stretch runs and how they are so effective. I think the head coach liked doing that. And you got even got Adrian Martinez to talk about the progress within the offense. All told, there's a big game that's waiting here with high stakes for Nebraska. And now the fans have the element of, Maybe you engage in some trash talk at the family dinner on Thanksgiving Day. Oh, absolutely. There ain't no question about it. I mean, you're going to hop on Twitter. It's going to be hot takes, hot takes all the way around. Sports talk radio is going to be great. And, and as far as the game, you, you mentioned the stretch play. Iowa loves running that, especially against Nebraska, because Nebraska hasn't stopped it in recent years. And you're going to get a big dose of it on Friday. Nate Stanley. You know, uh, Iowa fans are pretty split on him and his legacy that he's leaving. Pretty solid quarterback, three-year starter for them. Uh, hasn't performed too well in big games on the road. I don't know if you call this a big game, uh, but I'm, I'm talking ranked teams when they play at Wisconsin, at Penn State, yada, yada, yada. Uh, he actually had a pretty good game at Wisconsin this year, but they're running back. Uh, position this year is a little down. Uh, the offensive line is as good as always. Um, I worry about their defense. Uh, A.J. Epinesa, we were talking about him before we came on. He's an animal. Uh, he has a chance to uh, – he will go in the first round if, if he wants to uh, elect to forego his senior season at Iowa. Um, so it, it's going to be – Nebraska is going to have limited opportunities because Iowa's going to – try and milk the clock and take the air out of the ball. Uh, they, that's what they did last season. It worked for them. And, and Adrian Martinez and Nebraska, when they get in the red zone, they're going to have to score touchdowns. And when Iowa gets in the red zone, hopefully the Hawkeyes will kick some field goals, something they're really good at this year. Iowa's not very good in the red zone. They, the Huskers got to make sure that the Hawkeyes don't get in the end zone. Okay, so speaking of the red zone, and let's jump in a little bit about this matchup and how the teams uh, line up against each other. Iowa, you talked about red zone. They have scored 35 of 37 times when entering the red zone. A lot of them are field goals, Mm -hmm. but that's 95%. They get points out of when they are in the red zone. Keith Duncan, their kicker, 27 made field goals on 32 attempts as long as 49. So he's not booming some big ones. He is just their go-to. Pretty good percentage, 84%. Look at that math off the top of my head. Wow. And that's why why it's important that, you know, you can – if you're – if Scott Frost and Eric Shenander, if they are doing what they want to do, holding Iowa to field goals – is a good thing. So if you hear Keith Duncan's name a lot, not kicking PATs, that's probably good news for Nebraska. Well, Iowa does not give up a ton of points. So I don't know that it's it's fair to assume that this game is going to be very high scoring. I don't know what the over-under is going to be on Friday. But Iowa, if you look at the points allowed throughout the season, they're high, 24 against Wisconsin. They held Minnesota to 19, Illinois to 10, Penn State to 17, Iowa State to 17, And they have a few shutouts this season. This is not going to be a track meet. And the weather indicates that it's going to be kind of a slog fest. 
there's going to be a lot of tough running, and it might be a game that comes down to the trenches. That may be concerning for Nebraska. And one thing that I think, when I look at these two teams and how they match up against each other, the big concern that I have for Nebraska is stopping the pass rush. Nebraska has had struggle protect has had its struggles protecting Adrian Martinez throughout the course of the conference season. Well, here comes Iowa, a team that's very effective blitzing, and they have some very talented guys that play on the edge. Espinosa is at the yep. top of that list, not just for Iowa, but for the entire Big Ten. Can they give Adrian Martinez time to throw the football? If the answer is yes, the Huskers have a pretty good shot to move the football and put some points on the board. All told, I'll say about 15 minutes into the podcast, I don't know, maybe we're at 15, but I think Nebraska has a legitimate chance at winning this football game. And here is why. Beyond the numbers, beyond the fact that Iowa defensively is so effective, Iowa can get after the quarterback. I was good in the red zone. Nebraska, we don't need to document all their struggles, but they have a little bit of gradual building momentum. Wisconsin game, didn't, it was a loss, but they didn't play too bad. Maryland, they played very well. In games like this, in my opinion, they come down to what's at stake, what's at play, and who has the bigger heart. Nebraska is playing for bowl eligibility. And they know they have a good opponent and a rival coming to town. And you better believe that Scott Frost is going to lock the locker room doors. And he might bring in Jason Peter. Oh, he boy. might bring in Grant Wistrom. He is going to get some guys to get this team so fired up to play this game because of what's at stake. It's senior day. 22 players. Been through coaching changes. Been through four win seasons. Been through a lot of defensive coaches. Of course they want to play their final game at Memorial Stadium and celebrate on that turf. I think there is so much emotion. They've never beat Iowa. These never senior, beat Iowa. This senior class has never beaten Iowa. I think there is so much in this matchup emotionally for the Huskers that it's going to be a huge X factor. What's Iowa playing for? They can't win the Big Ten West. Yep. They're playing to... Go to the Just, Outback Bowl yeah, again? The difference between 9-3 and three and 8-4, and four, and if you're an Iowa fan, that's, it, it, that's it, might get, it. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's all the same for Iowa fans because they've had so many seasons of these, except for, but you're of course, they Nebraska. want Nebraska. Yes, and that's the biggest thing. So it's you want to beat Nebraska and keep the Heroes Trophy, and you maybe want to increase your profile for a bowl game. I don't know that Nebraska... Nebraska's motivation for this game far outmatches what's at stake for Iowa. But the Hawkeyes do know that if they win, they not only beat Nebraska, they end their season. Yep, and and that'll be motivation enough for Iowa. And that's why I started this podcast with talking about the emotion uh, and how much— You're emotional. I can tell that. And, and, and how badly do you want it? And I feel like I'm getting the sense that maybe, just maybe, for the first time in a while, that Nebraska— is going to want this game more. You know, we. it's funny because we talk to the Nebraska players and Scott Frost about Iowa, and they, they just say the same things about the Hawkeyes. And it's like you could play the same sound bites from opposing teams talking about Iowa for the past 15 years, where it's they're sound, they're not going to beat themselves, they don't make mistakes, yada, Physical. yada, yada. However, look at look – at, we, and we have the stats right in front of us. Look at where Iowa ranks in rushing yardage I was this shocked year. by that. 131 yards a game, 10th in the Big Ten, 101st nationally. And look where and Nebraska, running the football. And look where Nebraska is, 205. 
30th nationally, third in the Big Ten. Quarterback run. It's is, gonna be huge on Friday. Yeah, and because, that's where Nebraska's because rushing Epinesa is gonna be coming around that edge all day. He is he is gonna have he's gonna be in the backfield all day. Thing is, Adrian Martinez can outrun AJ Epinesa. So, so it's gonna be a lot of check with me calls at the line of scrimmage. Yes. Scott will probably call in uh, a play or maybe two, and it's going to be where is he lined up or what kind of stunts are they maybe expecting from Iowa's defensive line. And there are going to be calls made by Adrian Martinez in the moment off of the formation he sees, off of the defensive scheme that he anticipates for that game. Expect a lot of formation shifts prior to snap. Expect a lot of motion because when you see those elements, that typically tells the quarterback what kind of defense that they are in, or at least gives them an idea of if it's man-to-man, is it zone, cover two, cover three, cover four, whatever it might be. But I think the more information Adrian Martinez has, including where Espinosa lines up, that's going to indicate what play they're going to run. Who knows? Maybe they just try to go right up the middle. And they might. And it's been working for them. Because Dedrick Mills, oh my goodness. He's, we haven't even yeah. talked about him. What he did on Saturday, Dan, if you or I were in the physical condition that Dedrick Mills was in, we would not have played that game. He was sick. He was sick as a dog, but he knew that his team needed him. And there was one time in the first half, second quarter, I believe, at Maryland, where he came out of the game. It was after one of Nebraska's longer drives. He came off on the sideline. I was behind the bench trying to get some video, and he was sucking some wind. And he had a Gatorade bottle in his hand, and he's just trying to hydrate as much as he can. But you could tell, like, he was laboring. He was, he left everything out there. Great effort by Dedrick Mills and you know Scott Frost and that coaching staff. Oh, they love, love that. Yeah, they love it. I've got a couple questions for you, Dan. You you mentioned earlier, you grew up in Iowa. You're a Nebraska fan. You've always been a Nebraska fan, correct? Yes. Are your family members wh- where do they align? Are they Hawkeyes or are they Nebraska fans? Oh, it's about fifty fifty. Okay, and, Haw- and some Iowa State fans in there. So too. your Hawkeye fan family members they trash talk? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, for Let sure. Let me in a little bit. Oh, I mean, is it, it is just it fun, fun and playful. Is it kind of brash and yeah, it's, it's knife fun twisting. And, and it's it's fun and playful. I mean, the the thing is, is like the state of Iowa. Let's just say they didn't care for Nebraska. Well, they haven't ever cared for Nebraska ever. <laughs> at, at least for the at least the uh, Nebraska football team. I'm going to real quick. You know why? You know how I can agree. I don't know that for a fact, but you know how I can agree with that? It's become because some of the spoofy TV things that some of the local oh, affiliates yeah. do in Iowa. We don't need to get deep into that, but I've seen some of those videos. They're a little bit, well, a lot of it non traditional local television, and a lot of them poke fun at Nebraska. And that happened well before Nebraska joined the Big Ten. Okay, proceed. Yeah, so, and, of course, you're talking about our friends at WHO. Keith Murphy's great. Wherever um, it is. Yeah, in, in Des Moines, and, and obviously Chris Hassel, uh, who really likes to rattle the cage of, of Nebraska fans. Very talented, and they, and they know what, what grinds the gears of Nebraska fans, and they don't mind doing it. And, and, and that is uh, added, added to the rivalry. Is that truly what they believe? Those things that they put on the news, like those parodies and spoofs? I don't think so. I don't know. Or is it all just a TV bit? No, I, I don't know. They probably think that a little bit. Okay. A lot of Iowa fans 
and Iowa State fans think that. I know that. Okay, so I'm questioning you. I'm pressing you a little bit on uh, your family and your allegiances with this series. So Nebraska has not won in this series over the past four years. How have you uh, handled some of their playful messages to you? What's what's your rebuttal? What are you leaning on here? I don't I I don't lean on anything here. I mean, it just that Nebraska would be wise to start winning some of these games against. Do you Iowa. engage back, or do you just say like, "Yep, nope, you're the better team right now"? Yeah, yeah, they are. They just are. That's and it. you just kind of let it be. I mean, what? Or, or do you say like, you know, we like got I, Scott Frost, I... and the train is on the tracks. We just need to get it rolling. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, the Iowa fans want you to rebuttal with the talk of the '90s, and and then uh, then they'll say, well, you need to quit living in the past, and and then the Nebraska fan will bring up, well, Scott Frost is here, and Iowa fans will say, oh. How's he doing? <laughs> and Nebraska fans are leaning on that hopefully it will get turned around. Okay, that's what I wanted to hear. I just don't know, like, I'm not in your shoes. I, I don't have that, you know, Iowa hate text message group that you maybe you are in with some family members. So I didn't quite know what the back and forth is like. I think you're too nice. Dan, you're such a nice guy. I think uh, there are a lot of people that are in your situation. Mike, not, Mike but, Riley but, is a nice guy. You like ice cream with sprinkles too? Yeah. But I think that there are a lot of Nebraska fans that maybe have a similar situation to you, but are probably a little bit more uh, vocal and venomous in terms of engaging back and forth. And that were, Was it your plan to get me on here and no. have me spitting fire? No, I just know that you have a unique uh, perception of the Nebraska-Iowa quote-unquote rivalry in the series uh, grandpa my grandpa was a big Iowa fan I mean I had I have no problem with Iowa so uh let's leave it at that I'll say this I'm glad the game's not at Kinnick Stadium yeah and I'm, I'm glad that Nebraska won against Maryland because I could see Iowa fans jumping on the opportunity to turn uh, Memorial Stadium black and gold and and it's going to be a rowdy atmosphere on Friday and uh I just I hope that that stadium uh, is filled and it should be uh, should be a great atmosphere. It's going to be a lot of fun. Probably like I would say a lot. You know, I think we're supposed to get rain instead of snow. I don't, I don't know. We'll have to get Ken Shemek on here, but I I feel like it might feel a lot like that Michigan State game last year, where you know the, it, it's not like every seat was filled, but it was a party atmosphere in there. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good comparison. I, I'd prefer snow rather than rain. Oh, yeah, Rain just kind of, I don't know. The snow adds for a really cool uh, video effect, uh, and that's what we're all about. We're a television station. We love video, and snow provides really cool video, and it's always fun to go back and look at the, those games. Nebraska-Iowa, the game on Friday, is scheduled for 1.30 p.m. It'll be televised live on Black Friday on BTN at home, Memorial Stadium, Senior Day, final game, at the friendly confines for 22 Nebraska football players. Strangely, none of the 22 will talk to the media ahead of the game. There were only four player representatives that went to the press conference on Monday. No availability for the uh, Huskers on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, it's Scott Frost only. So uh, the university pulling back some of those interview uh, access points that we sometimes get during the regular season. And that tells me that 
they're going to keep things pretty buttoned yeah, up. Yeah, that's not by coincidence. What did Scott was asked about that? Yeah. Uh, and he, he, he just he said just, shorter week. They're kind of yeah. moving their schedule because of the game being on Friday. They practiced on Sunday, which is not um, normal procedure for them. So they're pl- trying to move everything, you know, just a day up. And they lost a, a day of rec- recuperation following the Iowa game. Yeah, I, we I, we we know how Muhammad Barry feels about Iowa and they probably don't want him up at the podium stirring the pot. Bingo. All right. So I mentioned a few minutes ago, good thing this game is not at Kinnick Stadium. Uh, my personally, my personal experience, Kinnick Stadium, uh, not the best venue in the Big Ten. Media-wise, it is uh, logistically challenging from parking, workroom, and it tends to always be about 14 degrees when Nebraska plays there. So, haven't had the uh, best overall experiences. And uh, I sent out a tweet on Sunday saying that you know. The, the Maryland game completed the cycle for me. I've now attended all 14 uh, Big Ten stadiums. And my experience at Maryland and my impression of Mar- Maryland, uh, I summed up in three letters. Meh. M-E-H and a period. Not too overwhelmed with, uh, with it. I thought the Maryland campus was really nice. And in that same post, I said that I would reveal the rankings for me of the Big Ten stadiums. I haven't put that out on social media yet, so I will do that in podcast form. All right. And I had the somebody ask me way. this morning, too. I was like, hey, I've been waiting for your Big Ten Stadium rankings. I was like, oh, I didn't get to that Sunday night, yeah. so uh, save it for the pod. Yeah, people are waiting on pins and needles here. Let's yeah, go. I know they are. So uh, this is the big moment. Uh, <laughs> you want me to go from the bottom to the top or top to yeah, the bottom? Yeah, go uh, bottom top. Bottom to top. Brett Baker, our producer, you're in my ear, Brett. You want to hear him from the top to bottom or bottom to top? Four, yeah, see? Okay, 14 to 1. Number 14, it's the Meh Stadium. Maryland takes it takes the bottom for me. I was not uh, very impressed with that. Uh, 13, Rutgers. Dan, I'm going to let you chime in. I'll, I'll put the list right over here. Yep, uh, that's Rutgers. about right. That's the bottom Interestingly, two. Interestingly, at Rutgers, I remember when Nebraska went up there, I made the walk from the stadium to the car, and it was a, a late afternoon game. And by the time all my work was done, I got in the car, and I was leaving uh, Rector's Stadium, and there was a deer standing on the side of the road. You don't think of that when you're in that portion of the country, but there were deer just kind of chilling out by the stadium. The actual stadium, eh, not all that uh, spectacular. Number 12, Michigan State. I love the fact that it's grass. Don't love a lot of other elements about it. Iowa takes number 11, Kinnick Stadium. Not a huge fan. It's way too low. That's way too low, Kevin. I, I don't really care for Iowa Stadium I'll, because of the because of the media food. That's not because of the media <laughs> food. I just don't think that it's anything spectacular. Uh, number ten, Indiana. I kind of like that stadium. It was okay. Uh, it, it had its own little charm, but the football there has not been. You know, the, the energy, and you got to keep in mind too that some of this goes on experience, like what the game day experience is like. Indiana's football product is never at or as far as I have attended games there, it hasn't been at an elite level, so it has been a little bit amiss in terms of the energy and atmosphere. Um, but logistically, I liked it. I thought it aesthetically was really neat. Um, one of their end zones has a really nice backdrop, too. Northwestern at number nine. I almost put that a little bit higher. Um, it is very, very cool. It, it's it's smaller. It's a little bit more intimate. Grass surface. Love it. You're in a neighborhood. That's kind of fun. It's yeah, very it's unique, intimate. and I think the uniqueness uh, allows me to put uh, that stadium right there at number nine. Number eight, Purdue. Again, talk about uniqueness. 
I think Purdue's kind of cool in its own little way. Yeah. It's it's not a cathedral. Purdue's way too high. No, it's I don't. It doesn't have to be a cathedral. This isn't ranking. Well, the Northwestern. Capacity. I agreed with you on Northwestern. Northwestern certainly ain't a cathedral, but Purdue. Ugh, nah. Bruno's Pizza is not too far from <laughs> Purdue Stadium, so it gets a little bump there because it's got great food nearby. Uh, okay. uh, number seven. Now that number seven is Michigan. Big house. Nationally highly overrated. That is my analysis of it. It is huge, but that doesn't mean it's great. It is a big, giant bowl. There's no second, third tier. And when you're driving by the stadium at ground level, like road level, you're like, oh, that's the stadium. It doesn't like when you drive up on I-80 in Lincoln, you see the stadium and you're like, wow. Michigan, it's just a brick wall. And you're like, oh, by the way, that's the big house. And it sits down. So I personally think that Michigan, the big house, it is big. It is a house for a football team, but it's really not incredible. Number six, Illinois, personal bias. I have attended games since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. I grew up not too far from Illinois, so I've gone to games year in and year out there. And uh, so I understand. Some people might put that school far lower than number six but again this is my own list and (laughs) on my list I get to put teams wherever I want to put them Um, and plus I know some of the history with Memorial Stadium and the columns that exist outside and you know the Dick Buckus statue and the Red Grange statue like that's that's stuff that I was taught when I was in elementary school so um, obviously that hits the heart and if you guys disagree with me that's fine but this is my list at Kevin Suits on Twitter there you go number five Minnesota it's a newer stadium, one of the newest in the Big Ten, if not the newest, uh, TCF Bank Stadium. I think it's really cool. Um, it, even the, the Vikings played there for a year where their new stadium was being built. And I, I think that it's clean. It's, it's very accommodating for fans, for media. Uh, the team's getting in and out. It's very easy. And uh, I think it's got its own little unique energy. And, and I like how the students all sit in one area. And Goldie Gopher really gets everybody pretty turned up during game day. So I put Minnesota at five. Number four, we're going out east, Penn State. That's a big stadium, and it can rock. And oftentimes they've got the towels and they're swaying them round and round, and uh, it gets loud there in Happy Valley, and that's a pretty fun environment. Number three, go up to Wisconsin, Camp Randall, really cool, really unique. Uh, Their students, like, uh, they they use a lot of words that are in the dictionary, some that can't be broadcasted uh, because of FCC restrictions, but it's fun. And, uh, you know, People in Wisconsin, they love their football, and they love to go to home games. They don't always arrive at kickoff, but I think the, uh, the stands, the energy, the student activity, and uh, it just got, you know, jump arounds cool. Everybody sings uh, Sweet Caroline during one of the timeouts. It, there's a lot of fun uh, that's involved in, ne- in Wisconsin uh, football. Nebraska, I put it number two. No need to explain that at length. And number one is my overall number one favorite venue in all of college football, and it goes on so many different levels, from the band to the game day experience to the energy to the enthusiasm to the football on the field. Uh, Ohio State. I think that a game at Ohio State, I would encourage anybody that is a college football fan, if you get the opportunity to go to the Horseshoe, go. You won't regret it. It's so much fun. And my experience was that, you know, I think that Ohio State fans, they like to give you a hard time, but it's all in good fun. Mm-hmm. And that just creates for a pretty good experience. So that, that's it. 14 to 1. Maryland, 
14, Rutgers 13, 12, Michigan State, 11, Iowa, 10, Indiana, 9, Northwestern, 8, Purdue, 7, Michigan, 6, Illinois, 5, Minnesota, 4, Penn State, 3, Wisconsin, 2, Nebraska, 1, Ohio State. Yeah, you definitely need to put that on Twitter because, you know, every once in a while you'll see like a a list on Twitter and it's just kind of doesn't make too much sense. My list doesn't make sense? And, like, people just torch the person that put out the list? That's going to be you. I'm going to be torched. You're going to be torched. You know what? Like I said, it's my list. At Kevin Suits. That's right. You know what? Make your own list then. Yeah. That's fine. All right. Well, number two is uh, where we're going to be on Friday. Um, And so, I don't know. I can't quite pull myself to pick Nebraska to win it. Uh, but we'll see. You know, it's revisionist history, and I mean, they look great at Maryland. But you got to remember some of those other games too. Go back and listen to the podcast from about three, four weeks ago. What have I been saying? Have fun. Nebraska's going to make a bowl game. Oh, I have said yeah. have fun, and Friday is going to be fun. But I've been saying even since the Minnesota loss, the Indiana loss, and even the two subsequent losses that I've maintained Nebraska will make a bowl game this year. Nebraska is going to make a bowl game this year. I do believe that they defeat Iowa on Black Friday, and then the football season is not complete for Scott Frost in year two. They will play into December, and we're looking at a potential bowl destination would be Detroit, New York, or Fort Worth. Well, we've talked about it. Those three cities is better than better than sitting at home for the holidays, and, and, you know, it doesn't sound too sexy right now if you're a Nebraska fan, but like you said last week, you turn on the TV on December 26th and 27th, and your team is playing at 1.30 in the afternoon on a Wednesday, sign me up. It's going to be all good. Bull eligibility at stake, the Heroes Trophy, and some bragging rights and some smack talk. That's what Dan Corey is hoping to finally be able to do after four years of getting the other side of it from his family and friends back in Iowa. The Huskers and Hawkeyes, it'll be fun. Black Friday, 1.30 kickoff. Tune into 10-11 all week long, getting you geared up for the Huskers' regular season finale. With Dan Corey, I'm Kevin Suits. Thanks for listening to the End Report Podcast. You've been listening to the End Report Podcast from 10-11 Now. Subscribe and leave a ratings on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you download your podcast. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch 1011 Now Sports and download the 1011 Now app. This is an alert from your Stay up to date during severe weather season with push notifications from the 1011 Now Weather app. Download the 1011 Now Weather app for free today.